Good morning, Lakeshore. We are so glad that you are with us today. Welcome to our Smyrna campus. We're so glad you guys are with us. Anybody connecting with us online, we're so glad you found us and connected with us that way. We are today concluding a series we've been doing called Together. It began with Back to Church Sunday uh, the first week, and uh, over the past three week, weeks, we've explored this theme of how we do life together as followers of Christ and how it's always better together. We've explored the themes of how together we can find peace, together we can experience love, together we grow stronger, and today we're going to discuss the idea that together we can change the world. Let's do a little survey. Those of you listening online, Smyrna Campus here, let, let's, let's think about this. Who is your favorite superhero? Just think about it for a minute. Who's your favorite superhero? I can tell you who mine was as a kid growing up. Batman. I loved Batman. I think part of it is because there was a TV show about Batman. He was on TV every day. And I would watch Batman and Robin defeat all the bad guys Week, and always there would be a dilemma, right? There would be on the brink of death. And somehow they always came through and conquered the enemy and saved the world, right? Superheroes are fun. Here's the problem with superheroes. We've got so many. Our biggest movies right now, multi-million dollar blockbuster movies, a lot of them are superhero movies right now, right? I mean, think about it. There's Spider-Man and Batman. There's Captain America and Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Thor, Wonder Woman. There are the Avengers, the Justice League, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Incredibles, even Ant-Man and Aquaman and Shazam had their own movies. <laughs> I can't believe some of them made the cut. All right. That's amazing. But that's how hungry we are, right, for these superheroes in our lives. And why not? It's fun, isn't it? These imaginary superheroes with these imaginary powers that they have and resources that they have that the average person may not have. And they're able to do incredible things because of it. They're all good things, but I want to say something to you today that I want you to hear loud and clear. The world today doesn't need any more imaginary superheroes. What the world needs today is real life everyday heroes and God has called us as the church to be those people for the world when I think about superheroes I I am not a kid anymore and I think differently about it now one of the guys I look up to as a superhero was a guy a lot of you know the name Fred Rogers Mr. Rogers neighborhood how many of you remember that show right so many people were impacted by Fred Rogers and that show. There was a documentary not too long ago that was done, a film about his life. And now there's a new movie about to come out in November where they've got megastar Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers. We don't need more people to play Fred Rogers. We need more people with the character and the choices and the example and the integrity of Fred Rogers. Some of you probably know this about Fred Rogers, but he was an ordained minister. And when he looked at what was being put on television for children to watch, he was disturbed by it. Even way back then, he said it's just 
It's just not building into and encouraging and building up young men and women to watch what was on television. He wanted to put something out there that was going to make a difference for good. And his television show didn't have a lot of money backing it. His television show didn't have a great set with with wonderful, wonderful ability to do just fantastic, amazing things on screen. He just worked with common, ordinary things and a little imaginary neighborhood where he taught principles to children that mattered, not just for the moment, but for eternity. You see, he, he taught that all children were important and had a place and a purpose in life. And he taught that the world is a scary place and it's hard to navigate it and we need each other to do it together to be able to successfully navigate all that we're going to have to face in this world. You know why he had so much impact? It's because the characteristics of Fred Rogers were Christ-like characteristics. You see, the world doesn't need more imaginary superheroes. It needs more people who will be Christ-like to them. That's what's going to really make the impact. And see, that's why the theme today is so important, where we remember that together, if we will individually be more Christ-like, if I can do that and you can do that and you can do that, and you can, together, all of those people being more Christ-like, you know what it's going to do? Change the world for the better. We need more Fred Rogers. Not the person necessarily, but all of us being more Christ-like in our character so that we can impact the world for him. So as a church, I think we can learn a lot from what Fred Rogers did about creating space that welcomes all people in, all people to encourage them and to dream with them and listen to them and walk with them and hold them accountable and teach them and We all need more of that. The world needs more of that to make this world a better place. We fulfill our purpose when we experience and live out God's love together, and then we share it with the world around us that needs it so desperately. When we do that, we too can change the world. It requires consistent choices to follow Christ on a daily basis. I want you to remember this phrase about being a Christ follower that changed the world. Here's what it takes. Consistency over time. You can write that down. You can take that to the bank. You can hold on to that one because it's the truth always. Consistency over time. Doing Christ-like things daily, consistently, over time, is what changes the world. When we think about changing the world, too many times we think about great big acts. And we forget about the little daily choices that have to be made before any great big thing can be done for God. Today's passage is found in Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians through this whole series where Paul in the first half of Ephesians has been telling uh, Christians about what God did to come and connect us back with him through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. But the second half of the book really focuses then on the therefore, since Christ did that for us, therefore here's how you need to live out your new life in Christ in a way that impacts the world for him. So he's teaching us the daily disciplines of being a Christ follower that if done consistently over time will change the world for him. 
Listen to his words beginning in Ephesians 4 verse 32. We'll go through chapter 5 and verse 2 and then a couple of more verses in chapter 5 there. Verses 15 and 16. Here's what he says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. So many times we Christians bemoan how the days are evil and we forget that the way to impact that evil world is consistently over time living out the life God has called us to. That's how we impact the world greatly. The more of us doing that that we can have, the more impact we're going to have in the world. It starts with individuals deciding daily to follow Jesus and their daily choices that day. So the first thing, we're going to look at three things here that will help us get this thing done of impacting the world the way God wants us to. The first one is dream big, but act small. Dream big, act small. It's good to have these dreams about impacting the world. That's great. But think about Mr. Rogers for a minute. I, I, I think he really was familiar with these verses about being kind to each other, being tenderhearted, forgiving each other, loving each other. He obviously understood those verses and he taught those things, but he didn't just teach them. He, he, he gave examples of it and he lived it out in his own life daily, consistently over time. And now we remember him. Uh, the whole world remembers him. The whole world honors his memory because of the impact that he had. He didn't do any great big thing. But what he did do was daily love and show kindness and care for people. And he impacted the world that way by doing that consistently over time. You see, the more of us doing that, the more we can change the world. We get hung up on thinking big acts, superhero kinds of things. I mean, every superhero movie has got this great big battle that's going on. And there's this great big coming to the rescue and, and resolving the conflict and solving the great problem and saving the world. Almost every superhero movie's got something great big like that in it. And so we think the only way to be a superhero is to do the great big spectacular thing. Now, in the kingdom of God, the superheroes are the ones who are daily doing the little things that lead ultimately to the big thing of people finding their way home to Jesus through us. Finding their way to the eternal kingdom through the daily acts of those who call themselves Christians. That's being a superhero. If God has used us in any way to help somebody else find their way home, that's the greatest act of heroism anybody could accomplish. So let's stop thinking it's got to be really big stuff. I mean, we can all name famous people, right, that we think did big things like Thomas Edison or Albert Einstein or Nelson Mandela or Steve Jobs or Martin Luther King Jr. The list could go on and on, right? And you remember great big things about those people, but what you don't remember is it didn't just happen all at once for them either. Think about all the people you know of as famous people. I want to ask you two questions about those people. Even though they may be best known for one big impact, what were the steps along the way 
that got him to that big impact. Think about it for a minute. It didn't just, they didn't just wake up and do those big things one day. The second question is this, did they do it alone? And their answer is no on every name you can name. They took small steps consistently over time and other people came around them and they pooled their resources together in order to accomplish the big things. That's the way it always works. I've talked about this before. You see uh, an athlete in the Olympics representing your country who wins a gold medal. They didn't walk out that morning and say, I think I'll ski down this hill and win the gold. From the time they were kids, daily, they did stuff that needed to be done that brought them to that place. And parents got up at four in the morning and drove their kids to their training center so they could go through the training they had to go through to get to that place. Parents had to sacrifice years after years after years to get them to that place. And the kids had to sacrifice time with their friends and and fun things they could be doing. They, They had to do those things consistently over time to get to that place. And if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to as a church, we've got to do those daily disciplined things. In our walk with Christ. We don't just wake up and be a great church today because we showed up for the service. What have we been doing daily? Because you're the church, I'm the church. Daily we're still the church. We're not just the church when we get here on Sunday morning. What's the church been doing daily to impact the world for Christ? What have you been doing daily to impact the world for Christ? I think we get hung up on viewing changing the world as just giant mission and we don't realize that the most powerful change is slow and steady through, what's the three words? Consistency over time. Say it one more time. Consistency over time. That's how we accomplish amazing things as God's people. So in the later chapters of Ephesians, Paul writes to the church about what it takes to impact the world around them. And he doesn't describe earth-shattering events. Instead, here's what he describes. Households, parents, children, families doing life together every day the way God wants them to do it. That's what he describes as impacting the world for Christ. Mother Teresa, you know her name, right? She impacted the world in a big way. You know what she said when somebody asked her one day, I want to come alongside you and change the world. She said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. That's where it starts. Being the husband, the father, the mother, right? Being the wife you're supposed to be, being the parent that God has called you to be to your children. That's where it starts if you want to impact and change the world. You do those things daily the way God's called you to do those things. You don't get a lot of headlines doing that, do you? You don't get recognition for those things very often, do you? But those are the things that change the world for Christ. The daily living out the Christian disciplines of life. So it begins with... It begins with this idea that we need to stop thinking about just the giant things. We need to dream big, yes, but we need to act small on those daily decisions that need to be made so that we're honoring Christ there. The second thing that we need to understand is that we have to recognize the eternal in deciding what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Recognize the eternal. 
You see, there's power in having a shared purpose together as the church. We stop thinking just about ourselves. We stop thinking about individually, you know, what's, what's best for me, just for me personally, individually. And we start thinking about the shared purpose that we have as sons and daughters of God through Christ. We have a shared purpose together. It's not just for us to get to heaven. I mean, that's, that's only part of what God has called us to. Obviously, that's a wonderful thing. That's a great thing. We should celebrate that thing. But it's more than that. It's also how we want our brothers and sisters in Christ to be in heaven with us. But it's also about how we want everybody that's not connected yet to Christ to be connected to Christ so they can be there too. There is the eternal shared purpose of how we're going to live our lives. We need to think big, eternal, not just what's good for us for the here and now. Dream big, remember, but act small. So if we're dreaming big about eternal things, then we have to remember the small things are connected to the eternal things. The small things God calls us to are connected to the eternal things of the kingdom of God. You have a father who raises their children the way God has called you to raise your children. Does that have eternal impact? Absolutely. You have a mother that sacrifices to, to be the mom for her kids. Absolutely, that has eternal impact. You have children that honor their parents the way they're supposed to and show the honor and respect to those in authority. That impacts for eternity. You have people who work hard to honor God at whatever job they have. That has eternal impact. You have people that in school think about other kids and not just themselves and they, and they stand up for those who may be marginalized or being bullied and they, they stand up and show uh, inclusion to people who may be excluded. That has an eternal impact. All those daily choices that we make. You've got to think about the eternal picture of the difference that's going to make forever in the kingdom of God and what God has called us to. So in Ephesians 6, remember, Paul instructed us, he went on to instruct us to put on the full armor of God, he says, right? The full armor of God, because we have this battle that we're in that has eternal significance. That's why the battle is so important. It has eternal significance. Look at Ephesians 6, beginning with verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against all the devil's schemes and he says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think we all know intellectually that this battle is a spiritual battle, but we don't always act like it. Because what we get caught up in is battling each other. We get caught up in division in the church. We get caught up in gossip and tearing people down. We get caught up in attacking the people who disagree with us and, and, and make fun of us and ridicule us and we want to attack them. We, Satan loves to get us distracted on all that stuff. Because that's not even the battle that God has called the church to. Never has been. It's not political. It's not personal against any person that we have any conflict with. That's not the battle that he's called us to. And too many Christians get consumed with things like the political battles out there. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved politically. Of course you should. But that's not ultimately the battle 
that has the eternal significance to God. You know what I see in history? God used some of the most corrupt people ever in history to accomplish his will in the world. Who were in political positions of power and influence. And he still used them for his purposes. God can handle that battle. Let's do the battle he's called us to do. It's a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle is against forces of evil that destroy. You see, it's eternal, this battle that we have. It's not temporary, political, who's going to be in this office for these next few years. It's eternal, this battle. This is the battle that matters the most. Let's get our focus back to this, this equipping ourselves with the armor that he wants us to put on so that we can be successful in the real battle. Part of the tools he says we need to put on, he says, is prayer. He says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If we spend as much time praying as we did, fighting with each other on social media, we could impact the world a lot more. Let's get back to the battle at hand. The eternal significant battle that matters more than anything else. Let's stop wasting time on the temporary things that in the end aren't going to matter. And let's stop attacking people that we're not even supposed to be in battle with. And let's start living out the life God has called us to, which leads us to the final thing. We need to remember, we need to, to dream big but act small. That's one of the steps. We need to next recognize the eternal things. That's what the real battle is. But the third thing we've got to do to accomplish this is we've got to stay connected to Christ and to each other. We've got to stay connected to have success in this battle. If Satan can get you disconnected, then he's already won in your life and in any influence you could have had for Christ. If he can just get you disconnected, that's all it takes. Then he's winning the eternal battle, the battle that matters the most. You see, when we recognize the eternal, changing our world takes effort. It requires uh, consistency over time, which means it requires connection consistently over time. Look at another Bible letter, uh, the Hebrew letter, chapter 10, verse 23. It says this, to the church. All right, here's, he's talking to the church. Here's what he says. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, an important part of life for us as the church is that we do it together. Physically, in each other's presence, together. That we not forsake or regularly miss the getting together, the assembly of the church. And yet, for many of us, church is one of those sideline things that if we don't have anything else big happening this weekend, we might attend the church service, right? It depends on what the kids' sports schedule is or their involvement. or It depends on whether or not we've got a three-day weekend and can travel somewhere else and do something else more fun. You know, we make it so optional and so casual that we forget that's all Satan needs to do is keep us disconnected and the eternal things of God don't get done the way they need to get done. That's all it takes. Just keep us busy, not even with bad stuff, just other stuff than the eternal stuff. That's all he's got to do to win more of these battles that he's trying to win 
and this eternal conflict that we're in. Just keep us disconnected enough that we can't have the impact that God wants us to have. What he's talking about here in Hebrews is physically gathering for worship and study and encouragement and fellowship. Actually doing that consistently over time. Even Jesus, think about this. Even Jesus, God himself, made this a priority in his life. Being together with others who loved God and honored God. Think about this. Did Jesus have to attend services at the synagogue weekly? I mean, was, he a, was that something that, that, that he would have ceased to be God had he not done that? No. But what did he choose to do regularly? Attend the services at the synagogue. And you know what else he did beyond that? He chose a group to connect with him that he did daily life together with. We call them the apostles. Right? He picked 12. And they spent time together daily, listening to God's word, sharing God's word, living it out together on a daily basis. They did it together. If the Son of God needed that, how much more do we need that? To live out the purpose God has for us in our lives. Think about it. If Jesus depended on that to fulfill God's will and God's plan for his life, how could we ever think we can fulfill God's plan for our lives without having that consistently in our lives? We can't. No wonder the church is not impacting the culture as much as it should. Because we're so casual about this clear teaching of Scripture that we need to be doing this together on a daily basis, living out this life together. We attend church and then go our separate ways back to our lives and our jobs and our families and do our own thing and then show up again. Maybe if we don't have a weekend plans the next week for a service. And we think that's going to impact the world for Christ. It won't even impact your family, friends, quite frankly, if that's all there is to it. There's a lot more entertaining things you can do to come hear Pastor Randy on Sunday. I might tell some good jokes, but there are plenty of good comedians out there. <laughs> this is not just about showing up for a service. This is about being committed to each other and the eternal battle that God has called us to. We're all in this battle together. That's God's plan. And the only way we're going to be successful in the battle is if we are together, connected to Christ and each other in this battle. That's the way you are stronger and have the success that God has called you to. So even Jesus invested in relationships and in, in, in those who would follow after God's teaching. And we need to do that too. And here's how we accomplish that in the church. We follow the pattern of Jesus. You could call Jesus and his 12 apostles. You know what you could call them? If you want to use our terminology, that was his life group. That's how he did life together with those people. They met together, studied together, prayed together, faced challenges together. It was his life group. That's what life groups do. And so many of us want our faith to only go as far as maybe attending church once in a while, a service on a Sunday. And we never get past that step if we ever even commit to that one. You see, Jesus and his apostles impacted the world big time. But they had to have each other to do it 
They had to invest in each other to do it. They had to encourage each other, hold each other accountable, build each other up. They had to have that to impact the world. And we can't do it any other way today either. Instead of us crying and bemoaning how bad the world is and the culture is, maybe we need to come back to God's plan for how we're going to impact the world and do it the way he not only taught, but lived out by example. We all need more than a Facebook group, my friends. That's not going to get the job done. We all need more than, than, than just casual acquaintances where we wave to each other or shake hands on a Sunday morning. We need real connection and authentic relationships. We need support and a place of belonging. But here's the thing. We don't just need it for us. Everybody out there in our community needs that too. Everybody needs that in their lives. And the church is called to be that community for those people. We are called to be that place of connection and belonging to Christ and to each other. So we pursue these things together. When we do, we find what we've been teaching this series. Together, we're going to find peace, the peace of Christ in our own spirits and peace and unity with our brothers and sisters. Together, we're going to experience the love of God like never before as he pours out his love in and among us and through us to those around us. We're going to find out that together we grow stronger. All of us are, to, are stronger with others that we're connected to than we could ever be on our own. And we're going to find out and discover that together we can change the world. So as we close out this series today, let me offer this ongoing invitation. Let's continue pursuing this togetherness that God has called us to. We're going to offer a time of invitation here in just a minute. And here's what I want you to think about. I want you to pray about in your own life right now. What are the next steps you need to take in God's eternal battle that he's called you to be a part of? For some of you here, you've never connected to Christ. That's the starting point. Today, you can do that. You can take that step. You can say, I, I'm coming to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm seeking grace and forgiveness. And you know what? God gives you something spectacular you can do to connect with Christ. He says, repent and be baptized into Jesus Christ. You're disconnected from Christ. How do you connect? You are baptized into Christ. Today you can come and be baptized into Jesus Christ. And that's where you're connected with his death, burial, and resurrection. And his blood cleanses you from your sin. And you rise up a brand new person to start living out the rest of your life in this battle God has called you to be a part of. Maybe that's the step you need to take today. Or maybe you're here and you've already taken that step, but you're not connected to a local church anywhere. You've never taken that step of committing to a body of believers where you live. Well, today, that step needs to be taken. You need to be connected not just to Christ. Being connected to Christ is supposed to mean that you also make a decision to purposely connect with others who follow Christ through the church. You need to take that step. That may be your next step today. It may be that, that you, you had connected with Christ in the past, but you know you've wandered away and you've not lived out consistently daily that walk with Christ. Well, maybe you just need to recommit to that today. Just say, all right, it's time for me to get back to where I know God wanted me to be all along. And you take that step today. Whatever the step is you need to take, I want you to think about and pray about. Instead of sitting back and complaining about how bad the world is getting, 
why not become part of the mission of God to change the world for Jesus Christ? That happens through the local church, doing what God has called us to do to live out our lives daily. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that today, whatever the step is that somebody needs to take today, they can take that step. Today, they can come to know Christ as Savior. They can be washed clean in baptism and start a brand new walk of life. Today, Father, if they're not connected to a local church family anywhere, today they can just take that step. As we, as we offer this invitation song, they, they can just come right up front and say, I'm ready, I'm, I'm taking the step today. Maybe today they need to just come back to the call you had on their lives before and they've allowed themselves to become distracted by other things and they can say, that's enough. Today I'm getting back on track. And I know your love and your grace is here for them today. Father, whatever step it is, I pray that through the, through the Spirit and your, and your Word, that they could feel that convicting, that leading, that directing, so that they would respond to your call in their lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. So we stand and sing today.